Hello and welcome to Grain Insight, a CN update on getting your grain to market. I'm David Shidnovic and joining me is Rhonda Anderson, Director of Service Design. Picking up where we left off last time, whether it's bulk trains, manifest trains, intermodal trains, you name it, pretty much all train types have increased in length over time as technology, infrastructure, and motive power have evolved, among other things. So how has train length evolved over time? So back in the day when I started at CN, big trains were 6,000 feet in length. That was the most we'd ever seen. And train length was built to siding length to allow for train meets and train passes. Train length has evolved to where the standard siding length has doubled to 12,000 feet. So our manifest and bulk trains are running at 10 to 12,000 feet long. Some of our newer sidings on the BC North Line that runs to Prince Rupert are being built at over 16,000 feet, considering that some of our intermodal trains can now run at 16,000 feet. So why such heavy focus on train length as a metric? As we make trains bigger and they can haul more, sidings become longer and trains can become longer. So the trains becoming longer means that we need fewer of them. So in the past, where it may have taken four locomotives and two crews to move for each segment for that 6,000-foot train, now we can run three locomotives and one crew, so we effectively free up resources compared to when it was four and two. We've become more efficient, doing more with the asset base that we have, and that has contributed to the record pace of growth trend miles that we have been achieving. And Train size is so important, and you want to make trains as big as possible in relation to the volume of traffic that you have to move more so that there are fewer of them on the network. The fewer trains we have, the fewer train meets we have. Now, some people think that if we ran shorter trains, that they would go faster to fit in the sidings better. But if I had 10 short trains going west, meeting 10 short trains going east, that's a lot of meet delays. Now, if I have five long trains going west, meeting five long trains going east, that means less meat delays. Fewer meat delays we have, fewer trains we have on the network, we generate capacity that generates speed, and it gets our traffic from origin to destination quicker. So longer trains move faster than shorter trains, and longer trains move the same amount of volume as on a shorter train with fewer trains. So besides optimizing the number of trains moving on the network, Running trains at their maximum tonnage means that we make the most of the capacity we have to work with. Otherwise, that means we represent capacity loss for both CN and the customer. We work closely with the customers to find ways to ensure that train length is maximized and we generate incremental capacity. So just on that, and it's a pretty basic concept, but what exactly is a train meet? Well, a meet is simply when, for example, train A moving from Winnipeg to Edmonton physically meets train B moving from Edmonton to Winnipeg. When those two trains come towards each other, one goes into a siding, in the case of a section of single track main line, and moves off the main line while the other train goes by. That's a meet. Then you have overtakes. That's where a fast train gets past a slower train moving in the same direction. It's the same idea as on highway, where the speed limit is 100 kilometers an hour, you're on a two-lane highway, and you move up towards a vehicle moving at 70 kilometers an hour, you have a clear ability to overtake or pass that slow-moving vehicle. So in the rail example, that train moving faster encounters one with a speed restriction, and where you get the ability to pass the slower train, that's where you have an overtake. And how has the frequency of meets changed over time? 
So our traffic volumes have increased over time. The frequency of meets has increased over time because the number of trains has increased. That's why we've invested heavily in the past number of years in double tracking, 150 miles in Western Canada alone. And we've added a significant number of additional sidings and increased the length of others. The CN's capital program over the past three years was $10 billion, not exactly a small dollar amount, with a lot of that going towards special capacity, enhancing projects in Western Canada, especially in 2018 and 2019. Now back to the concept of a train. We talked about grain unit trains in our earlier episode. There are the 100-plus car unit trains of grain that move to the West Coast and elsewhere. Recognizing that there's only so many slots through the mountains for trains moving west and east on any given day. How does CN maximize the efficiency of those train slots? Let's take a 104-car grain train that originates in northern Alberta, for example. So we pull that loaded train from the elevator and move it into our walker yard in Edmonton. Let's say it's going to Prince Rupert. And then also in the same yard is another unit train of grain that came out of Saskatchewan that's going to Prince Rupert as well. So we'll take those two trains together and make them into one and send it on its way. So we're always looking for opportunities to match up cars going to like destinations to be able to maximize the efficiency of the capacity in the corridor it's moving through. It's the exact same idea to Vancouver, except the grade running to Vancouver is a bit steeper So the maximum train length we can run to Vancouver is reduced compared to Prince Rupert. So we'll run 12,000-foot trains to Vancouver on average. So on that then, and going back to the marrying up of the two unit trains in Walker Yard to run to Prince Rupert. So we can't run a train of that length to Vancouver. Now what? Well, in a perfect world, every day there would always be enough other manifest traffic in Walker Yard to marry up a grain unit train and run it all the way down to Vancouver. But this isn't a perfect world, and sometimes a grain unit train can't move as a unit train to Vancouver. So what happens to that leftover piece or that train, it's used as a block of traffic that catches a ride on a manifest train that takes it to Vancouver, remembering that those manifest trains can then be run longer, creating a density of traffic. So we weigh all of that against ensuring that we maximize the use of every train slot running through the mountains, both east and west, and to and from the west coast port. Every slot is precious. So maxing out every slot with train length maximizes the amount of traffic that CN can move. We have the capacity of moving X number of trains per day towards the west coast out of Edmonton, and we balance those slots. Those trains we can move without creating a traffic jam. So we allocate those slots and the trains and the traffic against the slots every day. And when a grain or unit train comes in or a smaller block comes in, it takes a slot on a manifest train. We just cannot leave train capacity on the table. So we look at slot capacity and train capacity as perishable. So you can look at it this way. If we have one extra grain train without a home, The way we move it is by breaking it so that it can move on a train that already has a slot. So in that case, we're moving that piece of traffic faster and more efficiently when that block gets onto a manifest train. So earlier, we talked about the traffic growth that CN's been experiencing in recent years, with CN in turn investing heavily in network infrastructure and looking towards future growth. So how does service design and CN as a whole plan for that future growth? So the service design team works closely with our capacity planning group. 
That group takes the traffic volume forecast that we receive from marketing, look at it, and we see that much of this growth is in bulk traffic, this much is in intermodal, this much is in lumber, and so forth. Some of that forecast is unit train traffic, and some of it is manifest. So that traffic forecast that we get is translated into an estimated number of trains that's coming at us. The planning group then looks for the capacity needed based on the forecast, and that drives where we need to invest. So looking ahead, maybe we have three manifest trains moving in a given direction to a given destination. So do we need to add a fourth? What about the capacity getting built? How will that affect manifest train size? Does it increase the number of slots we have moving to that destination? So it's all interconnected, and it's all part of connecting the dots. Thanks for your time, Rhonda, and thanks for listening to Grain Insight, an update from CN.